You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me today is Eddie Nickens and his son, Jack Nickens. They are in studio. I'm excited to have them here. They're just passing through on a duck hunting trip, so we figured we'd get them in here. Guys, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Yeah. Good to be here, buddy. Yeah, we appreciate it. Cool. Before we get into some, you know, real introductions, I just want to remind everyone, you know, Eddie was on the podcast during the summer and talking about his new book that came out. So before we get anything else, Eddie, just give us a brief update on how the new book is. The new book is called The Last Wild Road. It's mm-hmm. a collection of my work actually for Field and Stream over the last 18 years. I have been amazed to hear from people all over, I mean, literally, Mexico to Canada, that have followed the written word for years and years and years. You know, we, as a writers, we write this stuff and you know, we get a paycheck and the editors say it's it's wonderful, and and we hope there are people out there that that read it. But wow, to hear from readers that I had no idea were following my work and really, really still cared about the written word was that's that's been the most rewarding thing of the whole of the whole process. Yeah, did you get feedback like, oh, I remember when that ran in the magazine, and I remember reading it then, and then now it's just you know, did you get a lot of that? Just amazing, That's Chris. Cool. That's the, really cool. Yeah, you know, people would contact me through my website, and then they could, you know, email me directly off of that. So I kind of knew where they were coming from. The only people that that contacted me through that Squarespace dot mm-hmm. com thing, I knew were coming to me through reading the book. So I mean, men, women, young kids, 
just I was blown away by that. Honestly, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that, that's awesome. I'm glad we were able to get. I think we got that out. We got that podcast out like the day after the book launched. The so very day. After, hopefully, yeah. that was beneficial for you. You yeah, know that absolutely. That's what we're here for. The <laughs> podcast is here to serve. Uh, well, Jack, you know this is pretty cool. You know to have a father. This is actually I think might be our first father son combo on the show. Um, but Jack, kind of let our audience know who you are, how old you are, where you're from, and you know you're you work in the outdoor industry now, which is cool. So kind of explain that. Yeah, um, I'm from Raleigh, born and raised. I grew up, you know, duck hunting the beaver swamps of the Piedmont and mm-hmm. chasing fish along the coast. And I uh, went to UNC Chapel Hill. And during my summers of college, I would bug out to Northwest Montana and spend the summer in the woods, taking people fishing, um, fishing for cutthroat trout and bull trout. Uh, after I graduated, headed down to Homosassa, Florida and worked for a tarpon outfitter for a month and kind of re-fell in love with the salt right before I moved to a landlocked state. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, moved to Denver and um, now working for Backbone Media, which awesome. is outdoor active lifestyle marketing agency and been super fortunate to be put on some great accounts with some great people. Cool. That's exciting. And and I, I, one reason why I wanted to do this show is, I mean, it had to be... I, I, didn't really think about it, but like eight or nine years ago, Eddie, you came to Arkansas to hunt, you know, with myself and there was a couple other guys involved and, um, um, you brought Jack and Jack was like a young, I mean, you had to be 12, 13, maybe. And you were just fired up, you know? And so, and, and it's cool now that you guys are coming back and you're all grown up and out of college and working in the industry. And it's just kind of a, it's a really cool full circle story. Um, and that's what I wanted to talk about here on the podcast is, you know, we talk a lot about really, you know, getting kids into hunting. And and, and sometimes it's tough for parents to get kids into hunting. But, Eddie, I kind of want you to talk about, you know, as Jack was growing up, like what were some of the, the key things that you did with him to really introduce him not only to hunting but really just the outdoors in general? Yeah, you know, the, the outdoors were just sort of a foundation for the whole family. We loved to camp. Mm-hmm. We always took the kids on big camping trips in the summer. And I hunted a lot locally and, and still do. I live in Raleigh where Jack, where Jack was, was brought up. Member of a couple of big hunting clubs uh, in eastern North Carolina. It's, it's curious in that at that point in time, I was doing a lot of deer hunting. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of lost some access to duck places temporarily. And so his first three or four years was sitting beside me in a in a deer stand mm-hmm. being uh, quiet being quiet and not moving yeah not moving don't move be not quiet trying many, trying to not move. how many times did you hear that? <laughs> try, try to uh, jack is uh an active yeah. fellow and somewhat loquacious if i can throw out a dollar and a half term and he's heard me tell a story a million times but i only found out later that he grew to not like the deer hunting very much at all because it was an exercise. You know, when your kid's seven years old, it's it's three hours. It's three hours to get up early and then sit down and shut up and don't move. But he wasn't gonna. He didn't want to disappoint me, which I appreciated. But I do remember the first time I took him duck hunting, and we we sort of we went into the swamp. It was just a full experience of. And he's he's told me before it just seemed like we walked for you know miles through the woods. You know, it was maybe forty yards and waded across the swamp and. And I remember the sun's coming up, and he's sitting, he's standing beside me, his little waiters. And I look over, and he's moving his right hand almost imperceptibly towards his face. And he's he scratched the, the tip of his nose and moved his hand. 
And I looked down and I said, dude, you know, when you're duck hunting, <laughs> as long as they're just not in your face, you can move your hands, yeah. you can eat a snack. You, you can, can chip, sing a song if you want to. Biggest mistake you ever made. <laughs> yeah, I know. And honestly, I could just see the weight lift off his shoulders, yeah. you know, that there was a hunting pursuit that allowed that social aspect. And the joke is now, you know, Jack, just because you can talk mm -hmm. in the duck blind. Doesn't mean you have to talk have to constantly. Talk. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so how was that, Jack, how was that for you, like that whole transition? I mean, if you can kind of reflect back on that, you know, I'd like to hear it from Eddie's, you know, side of things. And then like for you, like how did you go through that transition from deer hunting to duck hunting? Deer hunting was frustrating for me. It was always fun and my dad was always great about getting me to stay for 30 more seconds or 30 more minutes, telling me things that I probably shouldn't tell me for another five years. Um, but it really was. I mean, when I got to the point where I could duck hunt and you could, you could really be there and it was, it was more social and it yeah. was, you know, you go and you go duck hunt and you come back to camp and everyone's telling about all the ducks they shot or the ducks they missed instead of just coming back to the barn at, you know, 730 skinning the deer and going home. That's kind of really what I loved about it was the social aspect and and how many different places I could do it. Um, I always say I'm the luckiest kid ever because I got to grow up and, and travel to places that people dream about going to. So to to go and and hunt, you know, timber in Arkansas or beaver swamps in North Carolina or fields in Nebraska, it's just so completely different, but still the same species and the same thought process going into it all which is really what I fell in love with was, you know, figuring out the tactics in different locations. Yeah. And you guys have been on some just probably hellacious adventures, I know. And I follow you guys on Instagram and, and see some of the places where you guys are going, where you're at. And, um, you know, what what is one, like, one of the first trips, like big trips that you took Jack on that you remember that you were maybe a little concerned, like, uh-oh, this might be too big of a trip for him. Or, or was he just like, hey, throw him in the back of the truck and he's good. Yeah, he was a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. He's, I think the first trips, Jack, and you can help me remember, were actually when you were working on the old Heroes of Conservation platform. So he was he was in that maybe 10, 11 years old, okay. and I was doing this video project for Field and Stream and Toyota where we were on location for three days mm -hmm. filming. And he went on quite a few of those as a quote-unquote production assistant got which, me out of class yeah. yeah which meant he held a clipboard his job was to get everybody to sign a talent agreement there but, you go but, but dude he thought he was mr oh, hollywood yeah. was he barking yelling at me? He, had, he brought his own chair <laughs> i had, like a, a, I had a high chair and a megaphone yeah <laughs> so you know we've been lucky we have we have had some great mm -hmm. we've had some great trips um but what what i'm most fortunate about is that i had somebody pushing me to go yeah you know and i think that's important particularly with duck hunting and and particularly and Jack would say after yet another empty day in the marsh if I can learn if I can love duck hunting in North Carolina mm -hmm. you know then it's the it's it's a real love affair yeah. there were some there's a lot of tough days a lot of empty days but my dad always say he said every day that you don't shoot something is like putting some money in the bank where one day you're going to cash out and it's going to be all glory but my bank account has at times been very well padded. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, you know, just speaking on, you know, great trips, you guys did the North Dakota, the early season North Dakota. And that was when, uh, and you and I had this conversation, Eddie, really, um, we talked about, you know, the fact that there, you know, you, you kind of, you and Jack have been kind of doing these trips and doing these things forever. But there came a time when Jack was in college and it was like things had changed 
a little bit. And that was an opportunity for you guys. You know, I think, Jack, you think you're on fall break. And you went out there and you did the magazine piece, um, hunting, you know, the North Dakota prairies, kind of freelancing it. Um, let's talk about that a little bit in that trip because it was – we briefly touched on it in the last podcast. But you brought up a cool thing like having Jack with you you had the, the the plots map and you're looking things up, but Jack is over here like finding people on Instagram and Facebook that are related to the farmer to then test message them to get a number. Like that's cool. So like that's, it's just a cool transition, a cool tie in between father and son and how you guys do stuff. But, but talk about that trip a little bit. Yeah, that was, that was everybody's dream, you know, to totally freelance the, the, the prairie potholes. And I'd done it a number of times before, but you're right. You, when he was in, when he was in high school or middle school, you didn't have a block of, you know, you can't do that in three days. Mm-hmm. So he always said, as soon as he got to college, we'd take that take that fall break. Of course, then we were planning on it as freshman year. We got an opportunity to pronghorn hunt together, so we did that. But, yeah, when we went out to North Dakota <laughs> for, a, for a DU feature, every aspect of that kind of hunting is just the best. Yeah. It's just so appealing. But, you know, we grew up in the, in the South where this idea of just, Walking on somebody's land—that that is not in our experience. Yeah. That's, how, that's how you. That's how you get shot. <laughs> yeah, that's complete polar opposites as far as you know private property and you know I, I i could see some hesitation for people who grew up in the south hunting to then going up to north dakota and you know some of that property you don't even have to knock on the door. But we we just we we just didn't. I mean, we I don't think I don't know, Jack, did we ever hunt a piece of property that we didn't have that we didn't find the landowner? No, we'd always we'd always try and find the landowner and shake their hand and ask for permission before he went on their property. Yeah, which was frankly a lot of fun for us. Yeah. But I do remember your point about I mean, this having a 21-year-old at the time with all of their understanding of social media and whatnot. I mean, we would find, he he was over there on Facebook and Instagram. I remember one time we were, we were watching this one tea field and the ducks were just bombed. We were like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? You know, we couldn't, we couldn't find him on the landscape and he was looking at Instagram, Facebook. And at one point he said, dad, I said, pretty sure I've got the landowner's granddaughter's Facebook page. She's in middle school. You know, should I send her a note? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's, there There was a you line. We can't. towed the line. I'll tow the line, but that that was one I, I thought I probably shouldn't cross. You know, I think yeah. minors is really with the cutoff for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a valiant effort. But yeah, you might be crossing the line there. That's, that's funny. But that whole experience of immersing yourself in a landscape, most of the time it was just the two of us and Bill Buckley was on the trip, yeah. a fabulous photographer. Um, and Chris Nishan was there. I hope I'm not checking his name. Chad Hashing. Yeah. Chad. He was super helpful. That's a treasure. I mean, it is a treasure. Yeah. It's changing out there and totally get that. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a fabulous trip. It's it's tell me make the joke. And I look we've been we've both been super fortunate to work for magazines like DU and, mm-hmm. and Field and Stream and Garden Gun and it is kind of sometimes, well, what's going to be our trip of a lifetime this year, Jack? <laughs> yeah. The trips of a lifetime are every three or four months, right? Well, that's how I try and make them. <laughs> his his inbox is usually half emails from me and half emails from you. You trying to get them to do stuff and me trying to get them to do stuff too. Yeah, that's awesome. No, the, and the cool thing about that is you guys have been on some fantastic fishing trips, you know, so I, I wanted to touch on that. Like, what's one of, didn't you guys went to like Puerto Rico on a fly fishing trip? Like, what's one of the best fly fishing trips in general that you guys have been on that puerto rico trip that you mentioned was uh pretty incredible and there was the parallels of we we went to puerto rico and um we were trying to be the first 
people to catch a big eye sleeper on a fly rod. Big mouth sleeper. And it was one of those things where we kind of went. And when I went to North Dakota, I mean, I'd read about it. I'd heard about it. I'd seen pictures, but I didn't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And and that was kind of the same thing in Puerto Rico. We just had to kind of go down there and figure it out. Yeah. And those kinds of trips, they're always my favorite kind of trips to do with my dad because it has been cool to hunt and fish with him from the time I was could remember to the point where where it went from what are we doing, what are we doing, what are we doing, to where he looks at me and goes, well, what do you think? Yeah. Or what fly do you think we should use? Or what do you think about this decoy spread? So that's been cool to go from to from you know him being a guide to us working as a team, and yeah. that really showed both in North Dakota and in Puerto Rico, and that that was my favorite part of, of both of those trips. Yeah, that figured out. Those are, I guess, a little bit of how I made my name was yeah. you know finding a story idea where you don't really know if this is going to work, yeah, and throw yourself into it, and you know even when it doesn't work, it can be a fabulous story. Some of the best stories I've written are when it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it's all about the adventure at that it, point. It is, you know. So that, that Puerto Rico piece, it was sort of this five-day fly fish across the state, there's across the territory, and we were fishing for the sleepers in a, in a, in a fish called the mountain mullet, uh, which is a, exactly what it sounds like, mm-hmm. a mullet that spawns in the – anyway. And we were one of the very, very few, A, who were stupid enough to try to catch it on a fly rod, <laughs> but B, that were actually successful. And you caught the first one. I mean, that was when – to that, to his point, the teamwork aspect of it is very rewarding. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other parent-child relationships. People are nodding their heads as they hear this when when you cross when you cross over to that. Mm-hmm. It is it is special. Yeah, you get to become partners in adventure yeah. and not just uh, a, a son looking to his dad to see what yeah. we do next. He does look to his dad to bankroll all these trips. So yeah. I'm looking I'm looking for, for when we cross over that line. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. We're cross. <laughs> but I could also see that, that, that one point where he takes the decoy bag, you know, and you don't have to carry the decoy bag. That's got to be— I'm fine if we go back to the other way on the decoy bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like, you know, I mean, there were was, there was some times in the, on that North Dakota trip where we had epic, long, you know, sled slogs. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to give it up. I don't want to be be that guy, yeah. um, but it's yeah. I'll be that guy occasionally. <laughs> well, Jack, I think uh, I don't. I don't know. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient, and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. 
visit campuswaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation, united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. If he's going to actually take the decoy back, I think you're going to have to... Uh, he might take the decoy back, but he'll leave the decoys yeah, to me. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I, you kind of look, the look on his face kind of like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, no, that, that was great. You know, and that's it's interesting that I'm kind of right in the middle of that. And, and we talk about this several times on the podcast with several of my guests. Um, you know, I have two young girls who are six and eight. And so we're just in that beginning process of the outdoors and teaching where, you know, you've already gone through the process successfully. And, and, and Jack, you, you know, you've gone through the lower end of the process. You know, the next step for you is putting years. someone. Yeah, years. years. There you go. But it's cool because I'm right. Please, yeah, because I'm right in the middle of it. But I just want to hear from from both of you as like, what would you tell someone who's like, hey, I, I want to get, you know, I want to take my kid out duck hunting. Like, where do I start? You start catching crawdads. Yeah. And that's important. Mm-hmm. In my experience, before I could have a successful day with Jack or Marky, his sister, you know, hunting, we had to have a lot of successful days just mucking around outdoors. Mm-hmm. We used to do these creek hikes. Remember those? Where it's just summer day, we're going to get in a creek and we're just going to walk up it and we're going to catch frogs and sticks at snakes and just have it be fun that's the main part because to me if you take everything about duck hunting and put it separate it sucks (laughs) (laughs) it's cold it's wet and it's early yeah but when you but you have to have you have to know that it's going to be fun at the end yeah and when you put it all together and that's what those creek hikes and growing up and laying on the sidewalk instead of watching tv and looking at the stars and seeing the bats and that's kind of what made it what made it fun because I knew that it was fun and I wasn't focused on being cold or being wet or being tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the basics of the outdoors, and it's not necessarily. And we've I've had this conversation. I mean, everyone from like Field Hudnall to you know uh, several other guests, where you know he's introducing his kids to the things, and he's not really pushing them towards necessarily waterfowl hunting as much as hey, let's go down and, you know, mess around in the mud of the Ohio River. And, you know, and it's a cool, it's all, I, I just enjoy hearing everyone's perception. Now, me, I've said this before, I ruined my kids for the outdoors. Absolutely ruined them because I would bring them up to the DU campus here and we have a nice little pond where you can catch bluegill and bass and it, it's pretty good. And so they come out here and they'll catch 25, 30 bluegill and they love it. They love fishing. So my wife and I decided, well, you know what, let's take them on our Louisiana trip. So I took them down to Louisiana. We load them up in a 24-foot center console, go out there and catch redfish all day long. And they absolutely love it. They fell in love with fishing. But now when I say, hey, let's go over to the DU Pond, well, do they have any of those big redfish that we were catching? Well, <laughs> I think I just ruined you for life. Like we're going to now the only they'll still come fishing and they love it. But that's that was a mistake that I made, yeah. which is probably good because they really enjoy it. But uh, was, are there any mistakes that you think you made where you're just kind of like, oh, man, like maybe I spoiled him on this hunt right here. Like this could be bad. He's grinning because 
there there wasn't a whole lot of spoiling on great hunts for a while. You know that whole deer hunting thing, and he's turned into a, a in, into somebody who loves a deer hunt. But I I I, I do think I almost broke you then, Jack, because he I was adamant. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just yeah. You know, and I don't like hunting this personal preference. I don't like hunting box blinds. I like to be in the open. You know, a, a two man ladder stand with no camo. I just I don't just like I like feeling it all. Mm-hmm. So there's no margin for error when you're hunting woods like that in terms of movement or whatnot. So I mean, the mistake I made was was just just about grinding it out of you probably early on. I th- I think I came pretty pretty close to ruining that. <laughs> it took me a while to want to deer hunt again, but at the end of everything, there was a barbecue sandwich and a good conversation. And it sounds super cliche, but some of the best times that we've had together have spent when nothing's going on, when the ducks aren't flying or the deer aren't moving or we're driving from Memphis to Carlisle. And mm-hmm. th- that's, those are some of my favorite parts of the hunt because especially now is I don't get the time to talk to my dad 24 seven. Yeah. Every day in high school, I'd come home, go downstairs and sit in his chair across from his office at two 30. And we talk for 30 minutes and we don't get to do that as much anymore. So those times that we do get to do it when we're driving from place to place or the fish aren't moving and you're standing on the bow of the boat and nothing's happening. Those are the times that we can have those conversations that we used to get to have every day. I think that's the changing, you know, dynamic of as you're growing as a hunter, you know, the things that you want to do. And we talk about that all the time. You know, these younger hunters, they always want to shoot, 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 shoot. And then as you get older, you start appreciating just the time out there. Like you said, even if you're, you know, slogging through a beaver slough in North Carolina and you're not shooting anything, the time that you have there is is still just absolutely awesome. Oh, man. I call it planet duck blind or planet tree stand. Mm -hmm. When it's you and your child in this confined area (laughs) and everything else just falls away yeah and the conversations you have whether they're spoken or silent are i mean they're just irreplaceable yeah they really are and i really do think i mean thinking back on it most major life decisions i've made have been in a duck blind or in a swamp i think i decided where i wanted to go to college in a swamp i think we were leaving a duck hunt when i decided i wanted to go work for backbone and both of those decisions have already just vastly shaped my life and the trajectory um, as a, you know, super old, wise 22-year-old. But as, you know, my next couple of years have been shaped by the decisions I made in a duck blind, yeah. you know, whether they pertain to duck hunting or not. Yeah. And, and Jack, just for you, kind of being around the outdoor industry as your dad has, you know, navigated this so successfully, you know, being around it, you know, what made you look at it and be like, you know what? I want to be a part of that. Free stuff. <laughs> Free yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's now shipping the boxes, <laughs> yeah. and that's nowhere near as much fun as getting the boxes. No, I, I, whenever someone asks me this question, I always say I was gently shoved by my dad into this industry, which is the furthest thing from the truth that there is. But I realized that I wanted to do something that I wanted to do. And, you know, I've talked to my friends, and they're like, man, cannot believe I got to go to work tomorrow on a Sunday afternoon. And I mean, till now on Sunday, I look forward to go to work. Mm-hmm. I get, I get to work with some of the most important brands in the outdoor industry. And I have a small part in, in shaping what they can say to the greater public. And that's just a super fun and super, it gets me fired up to go in and, and send an email or talk to somebody on the phone. And that's another thing I love about it is all I do is build relationships and try and make other people happy. Yeah. And that's a, a super rewarding part. 
um, it's horrible for my ego because every morning I wake up and I get an email. It's like, Hey man, thanks so much for that X. That's just the thing. You're the man. <laughs> yeah. So it's not great. It's part for that, but being able to play a small part in shaping the branding for some of the biggest companies in the industry is, is very humbling. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny cause it's really, you know, if you work, you're working on the PR side of things now, you know, and your dad was on the exact opposite of the PR side. So it's like, now you can send him good products. Yeah, it's been cool. Hey, Dad, wrap this up for me. Put it under the tree. <laughs> I've had a ton of super cool full circle moments of yep. people that that I've read growing up mm -hmm. my whole life and being able to talk to them and, and sing. Be, having people talk to me as someone that's other than my father's son, yeah. which took me a really long time um, to kind of get over yeah. has been really cool. And the best piece of advice I ever got was from John DePalman. He told me the best thing that will ever happen in your life is your last name. And the worst thing that will ever happen in your life is your last name because it's been cool and it's opened a lot of doors for me, but there's also the expectation of my father's last name, which is on up there in the industry. So it's, oh, yeah. it's been cool to talk to those people and, and get guidance from some, some of the most popular and important people in the industry. And I hope he's where where I am after 33 years in this business. I mean, honestly, and I didn't grow up hunting and fishing. We've had this conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's most days or many, I wake up still just going, how did this happen? Yeah. How did this come to be? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I hope he never loses that wild-eyed wonder at, at, at not only what the outdoors can give you, but what people who love the outdoors have to share amongst themselves. Because yeah. there's no, there's no, there's nothing like it. That's awesome. Um, and you know, before we get you guys out of here, let's talk about why you're here in Memphis now. I mean, we, I kind of touched on it that you guys began doing this trip, you know, several years ago to Arkansas together. Um, and it's always been on this weekend, hasn't it? Always been like the Martin Luther King because you had the days off and always had that day off from school, so yeah. I had to take advantage of it. Yeah, and so you guys are going over to literally, you know, the heart of duck country. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been on the road for a week now. Oh, yeah. So I started off in Louisiana fly fishing for bull reds, and then I've been no in Mississippi. No one feels bad for you. I know. <laughs> well, you know, I've been in Mississippi. I know you feel bad for me. But let me tell you, um, this is the first trip of my new life. You know, it's one thing, so I've got a daughter who's 25 and now Jack's 22. It's one thing for your kids to be out of the house. It's a whole nother world when they're out of the wallet. And oh, so, yeah. <laughs> but, but we're clinging on. <laughs> are, Jack's trying to get back in. <laughs> so I've had, I have had a great week of just enjoyment with people that I really, really love. But this, now we're headed over to, to the Snake Island Club, which is a, a family, small family club, you know, that you're very familiar mm -hmm. with, Chris. And, I did a story on Fred Silverstein years ago, for, and we've just become good friends. And we're very fortunate to, you know, I've seen him grow from being that wild-eyed kid at Snake Island to, you know, there's no special treatment at, <laughs> at Snake Island no. now. You know, we're part of the gang, and that's very cool to just walk into it, and it's just Eddie and Jack, you yeah. know, and put your stuff over there and go grab this and do that because – that's what we're all doing. It's yeah. a it's a real fun fun gig. Good, and it sounds like the uh, weather's going to cooperate. Looks like you're going to get a little cold weather, a little snow. It should be really good. You know, the last thing I, I wanted to talk to you about. You know, I'm sure all of our listeners are aware because they get the DU magazine, but you have a new column in the magazine. Can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, yeah. It's called Cupped Wings, um, and it's sort of a narrative piece. Every every issue 
of a moment in duck hunting or goose hunting that was just super meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is uh, about a about a decoy from a buddy of mine who passed away uh, last day of duck season that I always use that that decoy whenever we're in a situation where it works. So, you know, duck hunting is about the where to, and you gotta you gotta know the where to and the and the how to. But I hope this column sort of uh, helps us reflect on the on the why and the and the the enduring things we we get out of it. So a little bit of a different spin, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, but I love that I love that kind of writing. Yeah. So looking looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, and and our listeners can also find. One of my favorite things is your online column, the Crosswinds column, which is a short, you know, short little essay type thing that really you've been able to really put some some fantastic spins on the waterfowler's approach. Everything, you know, from your wife's perception to your dogs to, you know, just a gear focused mentality. And these are short little blurbs that people can find on ducks.org that it's re- it's the full it runs the full gamut of the waterfowler's mentality. Yeah. Um, you have a great way of of really explaining that. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited to have you guys here in, in the studio. This has been great. Hope you guys shoot them up, not all of them, because I'm not going to be over there this weekend. <laughs> so save some for next weekend. Eddie, Jack, this has been fantastic. Thanks a lot. Good to be here, man. We appreciate it. I'd like to thank my guest, Eddie Nickens, the contributing editor of Ducks Unlimited magazine, and his son, Jack Nickens, for joining us here in studio today. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting Wellens Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. 
Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside.